Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Turner, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they've all made their mark on the Disney name. To find out more about the show and other episodes, head to our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Be sure to look below at the show notes in the show more section for links to our Twitter and Facebook pages, including videos and websites mentioned in the following interview. Photos and audio clips that are featured in the show belong to their rightful owners and are used for educational purposes only. All guests' opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop-de-doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest who has recently been nominated for the 2014 Emmy for Outstanding Character Voiceover Performance, voice actor Stephen Full. Welcome, Stephen. Well, it's good to be here, Tammy Turner. I'm a big fan of your name, Tammy <laughs> Turner. You got the alliteration going. It's, uh, it's very show busy. My, uh, my son's name is actually got the alliteration thing, too. It's Freddie Full. A little shout out to Freddie Full, everybody's fourth birthday today. Oh, it is? Happy birthday to him. <laughs> and my other son, Ozzy, is one this week, so we have a big, a big shindig tomorrow. It's going to be ninjas and, and face painting, and I know. I don't even know what to expect. I, I don't even know who we called. So now you've been nominated for this Emmy for your work on the Disney Channel hit show, dog with a blog as the character stan who is the dog with the blog so do you know if stan's recently posted on his blog about this great news i'm going to say if if stan was nominated for nami there would be much more than just the post on the blog i'm pretty pretty sure there'd be some kind of shrine perhaps a small building (laughs) that uh built in dedication to the emmy nomination but i'm kind of on a runaway train right now and i'm just i'm along for the ride it's kind of like a a little bit of a fantasy camp vibe. You don't you don't necessarily go into any work thinking you're going to get an Emmy nomination, and then it hits you. It's literally a ton of bricks, and it's completely humbling, and and um, it's just really nice to be appreciated. I mean, plain and simple, it's just nice to be invited to the dance, if you know what I'm saying. And you're you're attending the ceremony, correct? I am. We're actually what a lot of people probably don't know are there are probably uh, well over a hundred categories in the Emmys, and they can't show all of those on the big boy telecast, which I think is around the 23rd, something like that. Um, maybe if you uh, 25th, I should probably know when this is. Well, the 16th is the Creative Arts Today I Go, and it's actually most of the awards happen that night. All the technical awards and writing awards and guest star awards. And so there, my night, there are probably like 70 or 80 awards given out, and then they air that the night before the national broadcast of the Emmys that everybody's used to seeing on a television on, on whatever network they're on. So it's going to be a, an epic party. Um, I actually did a panel with Seth Green the other day, and he's been a couple of times, and he says it's just off the chain and nothing but a good time. So I'm excited. Are you going to be tweeting your way through the Emmys, or do you have a Twitter account? I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't do the tweeting. I don't do the Twitter. I don't do the, uh, I don't do the Facebook. I'm, I'm lagging in the uh, social media category. I got to get on my horse and get serious about this new age. But I, ha- I don't, I don't tweet. And um, someone does have a Twitter account under my name, which is not me. If anyone's listening and thinks they're tweeting, I'm not being rude. 
in not responding. It's just, it's not me. So I don't think, I don't think the fake Stephen Full has a whole lot of followers, but I know he has some that's come up a lot this week. The uh, Dog with the Vlogs, the first episode, it premiered in 2012, and I wanted to know how in the world you became attached to the beginning of this project. Interesting story. Um, I was in the show, I'm in the band, uh, on Disney XD, and I don't know if you recall, but uh, it was a show that was on a few years ago, and we were an 80s rock band, and we uh, hit the skids, and we hired a 16-year-old guitarist and turned his life and his home upside down, and you know, we were heavy into shenanigans with him for a couple of years, and that show went off of the air. And one of the creators of that show, Michael Kaplan, was writing a sh little show we like to call Dog with a Blog. And, and he, uh, you know, I think he, uh, he thought of me a little bit, probably when he was writing the show. Maybe uh, my voice crept into his head here and there, among a lot of other people, I'm sure. But I was lucky enough to audition for him and for Disney. Um, went through the, the auditioning and the testing process, which was bizarre. You go in and stand in front of a microphone, and they have a big screen next to you with a dog. Just They just basically shot a dog sitting there for, I don't know, half an hour or something. Mm -hmm. So you're talking into a microphone with your pages, and they're staring at a, a giant screen TV that you know has a dog just basically doing nothing on it. In the back of your head, you're thinking, okay, that's a great dog and everything, but if this voice audition goes goes well, are we a little flexible on the animal? Maybe get another animal in there. And so it was a, it was a pretty crazy audition process. Anyway, I got it, and um, I came to, uh, to be Stan, the dog with a blog, the, the talking, typing animal. And what a lot of people don't know is that um, I, I'm, uh, it's a pretty immersive uh, process. I actually rehearsed with the cast for the three days. It's a four-camera studio show. So I rehearsed with the cast like it's a play and like I'm actually the dog because a, a dog can do, you know, one or two things as brilliant as Mick is. And Mick is brilliant. A dog can only do really one thing at a time. So you have to command it to do everything. So that wasn't really conducive to um, to run throughs, which are really necessary to figure out if the stories are working, if the jokes are working. And so um, when I got onto the set, they realized they were going to need me to stand in a little bit and see how that went. And that seemed to be the best way about uh, about doing the show. And then on shoot days, which is, you know, it's a five-day week. We rehearse for three, and then we, we shoot for two. On those shoot days, I'm actually at a music stand with a microphone behind all the cameras and the grips and electricians. And I'm, I'm feeding the dialogue that the actors have, you know, become used to throughout the rehearsal process. So it's really pretty cool. It's, it's a... I think it's a pretty unique gig. I don't know a lot of people that have, or any, that have done this type of job in this, this fashion. And so it's, it's, it's a pretty re rewarding experience when you see the magic that all thrown together. Um, but yeah, I, I come from theater, and um, I'm used to a community of actors. I'm used to the give and take, the, you know, building the chemistry with the actors and, and then having happy accidents happen out of nowhere, something surprising. And uh, I like I like being a part of a team, and it's been a really incredible opportunity that has lasted. Mm, we're in our third season now, so it's pretty fantastic. And that's a pretty unique situation where you are actually doing the part live because sometimes it's just usually dubbed in in the end. You go into a studio and you, you lay it down, and I think that's the world of most voice actors, and I'm pretty fortunate to get the experience of interacting with the actors because it does get a little bit lonely in the booth. You know, it's it's uh, 
the job is of voice acting isn't, you know, digging ditches or laying brick, but there is an art form to it, you know, and, and that's, there can be a lot of solitude. And so I get kind of a mix of all of it. Um, I, I am, I'm dying to get back in front of the camera cause I love it. But to be honest, just being a part of the community that is dog with a blog has been a pretty rewarding experience. I, I feel like, I feel like we as a team have ownership of something that is very singular and, and can, we can really say that we, we've successfully done something that's really never been done, you know, animating a live animal on a four camera show, you know, because that's the, my job also involves the, the dog trainer. His name is Steve Solomon. He's brilliant. And then, and then Mick, and then all the, the actors surrounding Mick being very, very uh, versatile and having, you know, a very high ceiling of concentration because say Avery comes into the scene and says, Hey Stan, what's up? Then, then Steve Solomon says to Mick, Mick, look, look over here. Look, 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 look. And then I say, Oh, not much. I'm just chilling. So everyone's really got to be paying attention all the time. So like I said, I, I think it's ours. I think we own it and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty darn proud of it. And the good news is you do not need to be in the makeup chair. You definitely dug into the uh, silver lining in all of this is that, <laughs> I don't, uh, when they're, you know, scampering away to do costume fittings and when they get, you know, when they're in the makeup chair at 6.30 or 7, I don't think we go that early, but it's early a lot of times. Um, I, I waltz in about when we're ready to sh start shooting and whatever I'm wearing. Sometimes I show up in my pajamas, banana costume, just to mix it up. None of, none of that is true, but that would be hilarious and probably distracting. I've had several guests on the show who have also done voiceover work for Disney and sometimes their kids are very impressed with what they do, and then sometimes not so much. So is the show very popular in your home with your kids? Tammy, you have really hit on um, you've hit on a, a bit of a nerve in my family, to be honest with you. My four-year-old, I got to tell you, has, uh, he's been a little reluctant. I don't know what it is. It, well, I know what it is. I know it's daddy's voice coming out of an animal that probably throws him a little bit. Um, but you have to kind of strap him down to watch it. He's coming around now. Uh, when he was about two and a half or three, when the, the show broke, he was perfectly fine with it. Once all those people became his friends, he knows G and he knows Francesca and Blake and Regan and Beth. And, you know, it's like his second family. And he's seen all the sets. He's seen the make-believe world. He's seen Mick, you know, the dog, and he's taken pictures with him. For some reason, when it's all packaged together and it's on the TV, it kind of throws him a little bit, but he's, he's, I think he's making peace with it because the other, the other week there was an episode where I do this rap and he loves shtick. And so there was a rap where I was like, put him up, pull this up, put your paws in the air. Hey, you single poodle, y'all better beware. Oh, poodles. And I'm like, I'm feeling this. And Freddie had, he, I had to watch it probably 20 times in a row. And that's something about little kids when they, when they really dig something, they, they get aggressive about it. And so my wife busted him while he was doing his little arts and crafts in the other room. She busted him with, uh, you know, she, she rocked the video on the cell phone and he was actually doing that rap to himself. And so little four-year-old Freddie's doing his little, you know, clay project and going, yeah, I'm feeling this. So I think he's coming around. Do you think that there ever may come a time for a Disney dog crossover on the show because we have Once Upon a Time is now having Frozen on the show. I feel like we might get the 101 Dalmatians or Lady and the Tramp on to talk with Stan at some point. That would be pretty outstanding if I could get into this some of, some of the deep into the... If I could be part of that legacy, 
I mean, I think you've done something with your career, right? If I'm, if I'm mixing it up with the lady in the tramp or a couple Dalmatians or, you know, throwing poker parties or, you know, having doing yoga together, I think that, uh, I think there's a lot of possibilities there. I like your, I like where your head is at. I think you should pitch it. You know, and I think it's done really well. I think that, I think the writing rises above just a, you know, it's not lazy. It's not just, okay, this is a talking dog show and it's going to be talking dog gags for 23 minutes. It's, they really dig in. They try to tell some relevant family stories. They give the animal's perspective as if the animal is, is really part of the family. And, um, and every week I'm amazed, you know, there's something huge in the production that I'm like, they could easily get away without, you know, without doing that, but, uh, they really shoot for the moon and, and, uh, you know, there is no slacking on my set and, and it's a great group of people. It's a, it's a great, smart group of writers. And, and like I say, I, I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of this. And when it's all over, I'll look back on it as a very special point in my career. Do you have a funny story about something that happened with the actual dog on set with the other actors or maybe you and just the dog one-on-one? I like to ad-lib when the dog does something silly. The dog will be in the middle of a scene maybe and Avery will be having a real heart-to-heart and she'll just unload all of her guts and then the dog will just bolt from the room because it's a dog. It wasn't scripted. And so I'll just throw in, uh, I'm out of here. I got no time for this. So I like to ad-lib according to what the dog's doing. Um, and it, it makes for good good outtakes. One funny thing that happened, I think, to kind of make me feel a part of the family early on, little Francesca, who plays the redheaded girl, she was very shy and quiet. And I don't, I don't, you know, I knew G a little bit. I didn't really know Blake, and so it was a little odd to be doing scenes. Probably first, I don't know how old she was at the time, but it was young, maybe seven or eight. And so to be doing song, doing scenes with a. a you know, a grown man as an animal has got to be a little awkward. I would kind of mess with her, and I felt like she was, I don't know, maybe a little bit shy, maybe a little hesitant. And so one day she came to the set, and she said, hey, Steve, um, I haven't gotten my hug today. And we we had never hugged, and I was like, this is amazing. Francesca's, like, really reaching out to me. So she gives me this big hug. And I go back to work feeling good about myself. I'm like, me and Francesca made a breakthrough. And about 20 minutes later, someone pulled a kick me sign off of my back. So the little rascal had duped me. She played on my emotions. She got me in for the real thing. And then she put a kick me sign on my back. And you know what? I was, I was so good with that. Her mom was apologizing to me. I was like, this, this is awesome because this, I feel part of this family now. I feel like. I feel like we're already up to no good together. And that kind of just got the ball rolling. So you've also mentioned you starred in the Disney XD comedy, I'm in a band playing Ash, the drummer of the group. So did you play any instruments when you were growing up? And do you really know how to play the drums? It looks like you do. <laughs> I, I take that as a compliment. Um, uh, I never played drums in my life. I did, I did play a little bit of piano. I did a lot of musical theater in my days in theater in Chicago. Um, I, I'm, you know, I grew up being somewhat musically inclined, so I I understand measures of music. I understand, you know, how many beats are in a measure and how that stuff works. But as far as drumming, I had nothing. They gave me, Disney set me up with a couple lessons, and then I remember coming to do the pilot. And it's really rudimentary, the the lessons. It's like, okay, here's the snare. 
and, you know, here's your crash symbol and blah, blah, blah. And so I get down the set and we're ready to shoot the musical number. And they're like, so you, are you good? I'm like, no, what do you mean? I have two lessons. I'm terrible. I'm just not good at drumming, but, um, they can shoot around that a little bit. And, you know, you just do it aggressively. Like, you know what you're doing and people tend to buy it. Now that was the pilot. Once the show got going, I knew I was going to have to do a number pretty much every week or every other week. I would really, most of the time I would spend on the weekends was learning a drum track because you can kind of fake guitar or fake the bass. Our guitar player was brilliant, by the way, but you can fake the bass a little bit. If you have to play keyboards, you're hidden. You can fake that. When you're drumming and you're just screwing it up royally, it's really pretty obvious. And so a big part of my job was listening to a track and breaking it down into pieces and putting pillows across my bed and sitting there you know, and just banging on my pillows as if they're the different drums. And then when I get to the set, I'd feel pretty confident about what I was doing. But we were always having to match a track. And so I always had a safety net, but I didn't want to look stupid. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I have a little bit of a trait. I could I could play a little something at, uh, at the school dance, perhaps. <laughs> Nothing crazy. But, uh, yeah, I could, I could play a little bit now after doing it for two years. Congrats, bro. Yeah, it was pretty great. And uh, you know what? That show really appealed to uh, to my sensibilities, comedy-wise. I mean, I grew up watching the Marx Brothers and and um, the Three Stooges, and any kind of you know really choreographed shtick was really up my alley. And we worked really hard to to kind of represent uh, slapstick without making it just plain dumb. And uh, I was very proud of that show. And, you know, we had a nice little following after a couple of years, but the network was still young, Disney XD, and they had a lot of shows. I think we were one of the first shows to hit air on that network. And so they had a lot going on um, that was in the pipeline. So two years was a nice run. And, you know, you're lucky, to, you're lucky to work for two weeks in this business, and we had two solid years. It would have been nice to do a little bit more, but... but um, Nothing can take away what we did on that show. I, I felt like it was, I felt like it was pretty progressive entertainment for kids really back then. And I feel the same way about uh, with the blog. It's off the beaten path. And now I have three last-minute questions for you. They're called the Fab Three questions. They're the Donald, Goofy, and Mickey ones. So we'll start with Donald. So as a child, what was your favorite Disney film to watch over and over again? Let's see. Let me go to when I wasn't so much of a kid. When I was a little bit older. For whatever reason, Aladdin really um, was something I, I hooked on to. I felt like, I mean, like I said, I was a little older with no kid. Like, to be honest with you, when I was a little kid, I loved movies like Bambi and Lady and the Tramp. I, I, you know, there was, there was some real dramatic hug in a movie like Bambi. I know that's not like a standard answer, but I liked stuff that wasn't just straight up um, not that Disney was in the, uh, the pedigree is definitely not fluff, but, but Bam, a movie like Bambi dug a little deeper and, um, I appreciated that, but Aladdin had stuff going on with Robin Williams and the genie that I'd never really seen the format with some real, real contemporary flavor that just plain worked. And, and that's always a dicey situation because you can easily age out of that stuff being funny, but that combination just, just hit. And um, I remember that being very groundbreaking and, and that for me as an actor, I remember thinking, you know, to never really put yourself in a box because you can really explode out of that box. And it, it, 
it, it opened up a whole new world, I think, of, of animated film. And, and coincidentally enough, my, it's, it's just one of the shows, one of the movies that my son has just really, really hooked on to. And, and I'd say when he was about two, two and a half, he would watch it pretty much every night with a, with a chocolate milk. Before he went to bed, it was like it was comfort food for him. So Aladdin was something that, you know, definitely appealed to what I like in my animated entertainment. And now on to our goofy question. What Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? I got to go with Goofy because with Goofy, I can I can partake in shenanigans in an all bets are off kind of way. Um and and lose myself in in insane situations, but at the same time, I can I could maybe you know lead him around and maybe boss him around a little bit and <laughs> and get him to do things that I you know do my bidding for me basically. I think Goofy would just be fun to hang around with. I don't think Goofy's ever had a bad day. I do know we do a Goofy line from something, but it was from something I always say to my son. I like to call it the Kaboosey. How was that? I didn't even know I I did a goofy impression, but that wasn't terrible. That was good. Yes, I love it. (laughs) And our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. It all comes back to Aladdin. That's a staple in my house. That's, that's a, that's, that's a go-to. We had to sit down on the on a towel and pretend we're flying all over the room. Thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on the show. The listeners and I will definitely be rooting for you this week on the Emmys. So break a leg, not really. Very excited for you, and we hope you might come back on the show. Maybe there might be a, a movie for Stan, a Disney Channel movie. In the Cross world. your fingers, Tammy. Cross your fingers. You never know in this business. You know what? I've had a, I've had a good time getting to know you a little bit, and. Um, you know, anytime you want me to, you know, screw up your little show here, just give me a call. Absolutely. And I hope the party goes well, too. Get your ninja suit out. <laughs> if, if I win, listen, if I win, I'm going to go to the post party in a ninja costume. Yes, that's, do it. That's done. <laughs> Count it. Just a cornucopia of madness.